Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how's it going? Uh, good. It's going all right. Yeah, I'd all say right. it's going good. Glad to hear it. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it's going well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we got some stuff uh, we need to take care of. Like, we, I don't want to... I don't want to, you it's know. Gonna, it's going to turn into a weekly thing where we get like the first 15 minutes is just like TCB. <laughs> Working overtime. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, the fact is I don't want to, we have a, a listener suggested topic today. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give that the shaft uh, in favor of what we're talking about at the top of the show. So I want to get into it right away. So here's the thing. Uh Loyal listeners, they don't have to be loyal to realize that we did an Oscar episode uh, two weeks ago. But um, basically, uh, what loyal listeners do know is that for a long time, David and I have been, I would say, almost teasing it out that... uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, listeners. I'm watching David... Okay, never mind. He's doing something amusing. Anyway, um, but we have been... Uh, teasing it out like it's like oh when the Oscars come up we're really going to tear into them we're going to talk about what we don't like and the fact is this year I liked a lot of the Oscars and so when talking about it we I didn't really we didn't really get to tear into them the way we wanted to now yeah. if we were talking about last year's Oscars boom I'm there but but this year's Oscars I don't really have any problem with it except for a couple things um, but I think the fact that we recorded immediately afterwards, we were sort of caught up in like the endorphin high. That's true. That's true. As much as I, I don't hate the Oscars, I just don't think they're very important. Right. But I, like I said on the Oscar episode, I love the ceremony. So oh I yeah. Get, I get caught up in it, and so. But you know what? We didn't. I mean, we, it's not like we completely went easy on it, or at least I. I think I took the foreign language category to task. That's true, which, and I uh, talked about how much I dislike Juno, um, which is always fun, but. Uh, but here's the uh, – well, okay, so basically one of our listeners who happens to have the same parents as me uh, <laughs> emailed in and said, hey, what's the deal? Why didn't you guys tear into it uh, the way you said you were going to? Yeah. And so uh, so I, honestly, that's a good point, and it's something that did occur to me after we recorded. So, so we're just going to take the next few minutes and kind of discuss – like when we keep talking about, you know, how the Oscars don't mean anything or what we, you know, that we really hate them. Here's what we mean. All right. Yeah. Or at least here's what I mean. All okay, right. And then David, uh, then we'll throw it to you. Um, just I, I've grown so cynical um, because, you know, what frequently, not always, but frequently what gets what gets best picture. It's usually they should call that award best campaign. Because uh-huh. it is so often that, you know, it's about what sometimes what made the most money or what studio spent the most money pushing it as best picture, you know, and it's like, and this can really be seen in the acting categories because let's go back to 2001 training day, got two nominations for best actor for Denzel Washington, which he won and supporting actor for Ethan Hawke, which he did not win, but Okay, Ethan Hawke. Okay, if you want to go like really strict and say that the the lead character is the one that goes on more of an emotional journey and has an arc, if you look at that alone, Ethan Hawke is the lead. Yeah, exactly. Not to mention the thirteen more minutes of screen time that he gets. Like that does that helps too. And the and but the fact is, 
the studio, whatever studio put out Training Day, they decided, oh, it's Denzel Washington's turn. Let's push him. And he could never be nominated for Supporting Actor, even though he won uh, Supporting Actor in 89. But it's just like, so they they campaigned for him for Lead Actor, and that I, I, was it. It's, it's sort of, uh, there, uh, there are technical definitions between a lead role and a supporting role, and I think you hit it on the head. The, yeah. the character that goes on the journey uh, yeah. is, is the lead role. But... They're sort of dumbing it down. Like yeah. Denzel Washington's the biggest name in the movie. Yeah, he's he's also the biggest presence in the movie. Yes, absolutely. And so that makes him, uh, it, in dumb people. I don't know. I don't want to say dumb people. Just yeah. smart people don't know. Whatever. Anyway. Well, I mean, and it happens all the time. I mean, Forrest Whitaker is amazing in Last King of Scotland, but that's a supporting role. Yeah, he should have won supporting actor. Certainly should have won it over Alan Arkin. Speaking of that, there's another one where, it, don't get me wrong, I love Alan Arkin and I thought he was really good in Little Miss Sunshine, but literally, like, you are saying, like, when they gave him the Oscar for supporting actor for Little Miss Sunshine, they are saying, of all these, of all the supporting performances by a male this year, that's the best one. Like, that, <laughs> when you really break it down and put it like that, really? Like, it, it, like even in the in, even in the five that they chose, like he's better than Jackie Earl Haley. Are, are you really going to go that far? Like it's yeah. just so. There's that kind of thing where it's like you know it was his turn, and it's just there. There's just so much. It's so it just doesn't indicate quality. Like if somebody said like, oh well, you know this movie won best. It doesn't matter. It really yeah, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, I mean, no, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it ever did, but I think. When I was younger, I thought it did. Yeah, that that might be true. Yeah, and I I think honestly, a part of like the movie fan in me was really disillusioned by Cuba Gooding Jr.'s post Oscar career, <laughs> and that might have been like the turning point where I realized, oh, winning an Oscar doesn't really mean anything. Well, uh, we've discussed before that uh, you know, wow, ten years ago now, um, you know, uh, I was certain it's like this L.A. Confidential movie is amazing. It is one of the best movies. I would say, for me, it was the best movie of that year. Certainly better than Titanic, you know? And so, and I'm like, the Oscar, you know, this was when I believed in things. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, the Oscars will definitely give best picture to LA Confidential, because it is the best picture. It's certainly better than As Good As It Gets and The Full Monty and Goodwill Hunting and Titanic. It's better than all of those. By all means, give Titanic the the technical awards. Yeah. But they'll they'll... You know, true quality will will win the day. And uh, no, Titanic was the big spectacle, and a lot of people consider that to be the best picture. And it's just so. Yeah, I I think everybody could probably any, any film person could probably point to a specific moment when they all of a sudden realize, like, hey, you know what? This just might be a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so, what? Oh yes, yes. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Dave. Uh, you. Those who may not be aware, uh, our sound quality picked up quite a bit last week, and uh, so because we've, we've got some new equipment, and uh, I'm not used to it yet. Uh, so I basically swallow the mic while I'm <laughs> while I'm talking, and uh, you may be freaking bashing your head against the wall, wanting me to quiet down. David, what about you? Um, I don't or is know. it too big? You know, is this like too big that you can't pinpoint what you don't like? Uh, I mean. The the thing is, once you become a big enough movie fan, you start to realize that there are 
I guess when 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 you're when you're younger and you see the Oscars, you only you only know the certain certain movies. You only know that certain movies were released, you right. know, and you're picking from a much smaller pool. And that's the pool the Academy is picking from. Right. Once you start to get older and 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 more uh, independently minded uh, about cinema, you start to seek out other things, and 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 you realize that the pool from which the Oscars are the Oscar nominations are chosen chosen is maybe at best a fifth of the movies that should be considered. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm... That's, and, 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 okay, here's another entirely different gripe, which we've talked about before and everyone talks about, but the Oscars' clear bias against genre... Oh, yeah. ...really bothers me. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's like... I mean, there's an, you'll find an occasional Western, or in the case of Lord of the Rings, you'll find a, you know, a fantasy movie, but you won't find a horror movie. I mean, what was the last hor- like horror movie to be nominated? That must it was probably Jaws. Uh, and some people, of the Lambs, maybe? Silence of the Lambs, yeah, I guess kind that, could, that could qualify. And even then, see, like, Silence of the Lambs could qualify, Jaws yeah. could qualify. A couple years before that, Exorcist, okay, that's a horror movie. Yeah. But, you know, and it's just like... So if you... Let's say that you do consider Silence of the Lambs a horror movie, that was, at this point, 17 years ago. And so it's just like, they're few and far between, and it's, you know, and action isn't considered, um, which, you know, most action movies are awful, so that's fine, but you <laughs> will find one every once in a while that's really good. And uh, Yeah, I, th- I think good to the Academy translates as, like, I don't know, deep, but not even really. Yeah. Like, I guess, I think the... The uh, uh, giving the impression of depth is is much more important. Well, and you and I talked about last week the idea of you know some people just refuse to to acknowledge comedy as an art form unless it's mixed in with drama. Yeah, like you know as much like I I love the movie Sideways, but it and it is very funny at times, but it has some very definite drama in there. Same with About Schmidt and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, movies that are considered comedy, it's like the only reason they're ever nominated is mostly for those dramatic scenes. You yeah. Know? Whereas, uh, I think that, uh, I don't know for what categories, but I think Shaun of the Dead or oh, Anchorman, yeah. those are both uh, great movies for their respective years. You know, and I remember, like, every once in a while, like, in the acting category, like, a comedy will get an Oscar, and you're just like, all right. Like, Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Yes. Well done. As far, like that is what a supporting por- performance should be, and you awarded it for something where he doesn't show an ounce of drama or depth. It's yeah. just hilarious. And I will so, say this about your uh, lead versus supporting thing. Okay, just made me think of it again. The Academy did right by nominating Javier Bardem for supporting. It, absolutely, because I think yes. to to someone who hadn't seen the movie, yeah, they could be forgiven for assuming that he was the lead role, right? Yes, because he's the center of the campaign, essentially. Right. Uh, the lead role in that film is probably played by Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. E- even though he doesn't really have the most screen time or or, or, or anything like that. But. but like as far as, you know, because I've, I've been interning a lot lately. And so actually watching the campaign, they pushed Josh Brolin for lead. And then they pushed Tommy Lee Jones and Javier Bardem for supporting. Now, the reason they did that is, of course, because Tommy Lee Jones was nominated, was going to be pushed for lead elsewhere. Right. And that's, you know, and there's another thing is like. You know what? I'm fine with having a certain amount of rules, but if an actor turned in two great lead performances, 
there's nothing wrong with honoring that. Like, you know, yeah, it's it's just it's remarkably frustrating and just the way they wind up redefining things. Anyway, we should move along. Yes. Okay. Anything else before we get to the topic? Uh, I did have I did have one more thing. Okay. This will take about forty seconds. All right. Okay. Um. So there are people who, I I think I think in the Onion the hater or somebody. Uh, commented about this uh, several months ago. The term raping my childhood. Okay. Okay, have you heard it before? Yeah. I have too. And it's never with anything good. Like, I, I right when Transformers came out, people were just like, people were like, oh, it's like, oh, look at that, they're raping my childhood. And I'll say, I'll say this, that like, if you associate your childhood mostly with Transformers, your childhood was asking for it, but like, yeah, it seems like the definition of childhood rape there is making me realize the things that I was into when I was a kid are shit. Exactly, because it's not. I mean, I didn't see the Transformers movie. Uh, you know, I apologize for that. Uh, that was sarcasm. Um, <laughs> and Transformers was a lot of fun when I was a kid. Yeah, but it's not like it doesn't have a lot of weight. It's not like some right. some great. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Flip side of that. It's not the Batman the Animated Series. Exactly. Like, that's something I associate with my childhood that later turns out to actually have been really good. And here's here's what I will say. Here's the reason I bring it up is because I've been I've been seeing uh, ads for Horton here uh, Horton here's a who. Uh-huh. And I will say this: I don't know if Hollywood has ever done right by Dr. Seuss. Like he's a guy the 5, who actually fingers of Dr. T. Well, okay, all right. <laughs> let's say Hollywood in the last fifty years. Let's right. say that one, and and he was associated with that one. But like, since his death, let's let's say that. But like, you know, I know that you liked, you know, the Jim Carrey How the Grinch Stole Christmas more than I did. Um, yeah, doesn't mean that I loved it, but right. yeah. I, but like that, and then Cat in the Hat, and now Horton Hears a Who. Like that's something where those stories did have depth, and they yeah. could actually teach a kid, but they were also clever enough and witty enough. And then Hollywood just comes in and they put in, I love Steve Carell. I like Jim Carrey. There's nothing wrong with that, but like they just take out all the charm that these stories had and they replace them with just the crap that you would find in Madagascar or the wild or something like that. You know, and even though I do find some things to be enjoyable about the Ron Howard remake, right? How the Grinch Stole Christmas, that almost does qualify as childhood rape, or yeah. or at least Dr. Seuss rape, yeah, uh, because it changes everything about the right the, the meaning of the story and, and absolutely and the, and the archetypes that the, the the two camps, the Grinch, yeah. and the uh, and Whoville, yeah. what they represent, yeah. I mean, and that so like the fir- like the more i thought uh, the more i saw these ads for horton here's a who cuz i grew up watching that cartoon and it was great it was great i think uh i don't know if it was chuck jones but it was the same it was one of those and so um so i just started thinking it's like it's like oh you know what all of a sudden i get that term raping my childhood <laughs> and you know what it shouldn't be associated with transformers but you know what or alvin and the chipmunks or alvin and the chipmunks or you know but like something as that's like, I mean, the Alvin and the Chipmunks thing, that's like accusing the Garfield movie of breaking your childhood. It's like, no, Garfield It's like, no, they good. did it absolutely right. Um, <laughs> right. Whereas, but yeah, I mean, with something, it's like if, uh, you know, there's a there's a movie of Where the Wild Things Are. If they screwed that up and turned it into like, it's like, oh, watch these wild things get down and party. You know, like the one of the wild things is voiced by Martin Lawrence or something. That is raping your childhood. That is yeah. what that's about. So... Anyway, I'm I 
every ad that I see for Horton Hears a Who, I'm, I'm. I don't know why you got to be like that about Martin Lawrence, though. It's that's, that's cold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's true because you were. Ra- I I am raping your childhood because you grew up watching Martin, and so yeah. I mean, that's. I guess I was a little old. I'm not sure when was Martin like eighty, ninety, ninety five, something like that. Uh, roughly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I I liked Martin a lot when I was a kid, <laughs> and I had a huge crush on Gina. Damn Gina. Damn Gina. So, anyway, um, so that that was all I wanted to bring up because it's just it's been bothering me so damn much. It took four minutes, not forty seconds. Well, you know what? Uh, whatever. I'm, so, uh, I'm verbose. Well, let's let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. Listener um, suggested topic. Listener suggested topic. Uh, I don't know. I, I forgot to write down the listener's name. Uh, As did I. Oh, that's done. all right. Whatever. Okay, but you know uh, who you are. This is. Uh, Pretty much something that me, this is David talking. I know some of you can't tell the difference, and I don't blame you. Uh, but uh, People I know can't tell the difference, and I don't like that one bit. <laughs> All right? Uh, I'm the one who mumbles. I'm David. The one who mumbles. I'm the one who talks way too loud because of my theatrical training. <laughs> Hello! Um, All right. So, uh, this was something that honestly was probably a little uh, struck home closer for me than Tyler. This is just something that I really uh, enjoy in movies. Right. So we're going to talk about food movies. Food movies. Uh, movies not necessarily about food, though some, right. some of them kind of are, uh, but movies that, and specifically I want to say movies that celebrate food. Yeah. Because we're not really, we're not going to talk about Super Size Me here, right. you know, or something like that. Uh, th- these these are, are movies that celebrate uh, food. And it's amazing to me Here's the thing. There's been a, a a real food-centric shift in American culture lately. If you yeah. see like the rising uh, success of the Food Network and the fact that 65% of the shows on the Travel Network are really about food, you know, like <laughs> people like food and people like to watch things about food and that seems it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Because you can't taste something that you're watching. Nor can you, yeah, and you can't smell it either. Like the two yeah. most uh, the two senses you associate most with it you can't experience and yet food manages to be very cinematic yeah and i think here's why and here's one of the many reasons why i mean there's a simple re- uh, simpler reason is that food is is colorful mm-hmm. uh you know and it's a can be arranged aesthetically but also uh making food is a process and a process is essentially a story right so and it also works as an analogy for creating art, you know, because yeah. uh, and especially with films more than more so than other art, because you can make food that is just functional and meant to please or meant to satisfy, right? And you can make films that that do that. That's yeah. what you know uh, most of the studios traffic in. And then you can have uh, very deeply felt, lovingly prepared foods and films, right? Right. Uh, and that's where you get the good food movies. Uh, so. Um, what should we start with? Uh, I mean, I think we we could probably start with Ratatouille because yeah. that was so so recent. Uh, and Ratatouille is almost a a definitive foodie movie. I yeah. hate the term foodie, by the way. Yeah, it's it's one that is you know we Jen and I have some friends that describe themselves as as foodies, and it's like you know, and my first instinct is to like just just shit on them, and like uh-huh. it's like. What a dumb thing to like, but it's like whatever, you know. It's just a different thing. But the term no, I'm foodie all for is being just really silly. into food. I'm not. I mean, I'm not as into food as as some people. But right. uh, the term foodie, it kind of sounds like a fetish, doesn't it? Like it kind of <laughs> sounds gross. Like people who have sex with food, uh, you know. 
like a George Costanza kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but yeah, okay, so Ratatouille, not only because it was about a character who really loved food right. and talked about food the way that film lovers talk about film. Right. Uh, but it was also a film uh, that took so much time to show you the, the the beauty, the aesthetic pleasures of food. Yeah, and here's okay. I'll 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 say this uh, real quick. Um, those this is a, a window into Tyler's uh, inner life. <laughs> those that know me uh, know that I I have a very um, what would you? How would you describe my uh, my taste in food, David? Uh, boring. Boring. Narrow-minded. Narrow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll try things, but like I just. But will uh, you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do now. But uh, often I turn out to be absolutely right, and I'm sure that it's like, I'm not going to like that. I try, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I did not like that. Well, that's, but I've that's been, I've been, right I've been surprised every once in a while. But yes, uh, I tend to like foods that are very bland. I, and uh, yeah, and so, it, you know, I'm, I'm very picky at times. Uh, it's a, you know, I, I like to think that it's a family thing. Um, but uh, how does Jenny feel about that? Uh, you know, um, she, uh, loves me anyway. How about that? Cause I know she, she does. Yes. She likes food. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and sometimes, you know, we will have dinner that, uh, you know, I'll have it from one place. She'll have it from another or she'll make something and I'll make something. But, uh, but yeah. And so I'll say this rat, you know, every once in a while there will be a movie that is about food and Food that I know I will not like because it contains a lot of things that I don't like. It'll, you know, you'll see it on screen and even I will be like, damn, that looks pretty good. (laughs) Um, And Ratatouille is a great example of that. I mean, like, you know, it's, we're going to, I feel like we're going to start repeating ourselves after a while, but it's, it kind of harkens back to, you know, when you and I were talking about movies about art, like if it's going to be about art, it, you know where all these characters are worrying about, you know, making a good movie or writing a good book or whatever Uh that, you know, that better be really good. And like with Ratatouille, it's all about the beauty and magic of food. And so that, and knowing that the listener, uh, listener, that the viewer can't smell or taste it, it better look as absolutely tantalizing as possible. And Ratatouille sure does get it right. Well, uh, I want to talk about the movie that uh, I'm. I'm almost completely sure that you haven't seen this, Tyler. The All movie right. that I think I first, uh, the first real great food movie that I saw. Okay. Uh, well, I, I don't know. The first great food movie that I saw was probably Moonstruck, and we'll get back to Moonstruck later. Okay. But um, it's sort of it's it, it happened at a time in my life in high school when I was sort of experimenting with new types of cinema, okay. you know, at the same time becoming, uh, and, and that sort of mirrored my, my opening my mind to different types of food. Right. And I saw a Vietnamese film called the scent of green papaya. Okay. Um, now this, this came out in 1993, but, uh, there's a movie by the same director called, uh, what's it called? The vertical ray of the sun or something like that. That came okay. out in like 99. And I saw that in the theater and loved it. And I went and rented, rented the scent of green papaya. Uh, and it's gorgeous. And it's not, uh, again, it's not really a movie about food at all. It's a, just a story about a sort of girl's life, but there's so much food in the movie. And, uh, most of my favorite types of foods are Asian foods. 
uh, and I think the, the, this is kind of of, of why uh, the the food cultures in in Europe and Asia they both have strong food cultures, but they're different. The European food co- culture is much much more about the enjoyment of food mm. and food bringing friends and family together. Right. Uh, the Asian food culture is much more about the preparation of it. You know, and I mean, it would be probably kind of uh, reductive to refer to it as like a Zen thing. Yeah. But it it kind of is like finding this fi- finding finding pleasure and purpose in the process. Yeah. That was some great well, alliteration. Right I know there. you like alliteration. Like, it was completely uh, extemporaneous alliteration. Uh, <laughs> and um, The Center of Green Papaya is just uh, one of those great movies in which there's a lot of food being made in it. And mm-hmm. it has, you know, the name of a food. There in, you go. Uh, the, the title of the film is, is very appetizing. It's like so fried that, green tomatoes. Which I've never seen. I have, but and you know what? It's... Uh, uh, I only brought it up because of its title, um, but uh, you know it's interesting that you that you do uh, that you mention that because um, the idea of food, almost especially in in film, because it can it can serve as a metaphor mm-hmm. for the society that it's in, which is why I do not care for I don't really care for the film Fast Food Nation. I didn't, but see I'll it. say this. The point that it's making, because of course it's all about you know this uh, this company that is obviously McDonald's, but uh, they don't actually say it, um, and just the way they just rush things through as quickly as they can. If, you know, if it tastes good, whatever. You know, if it smells good, you know, it's because they replicated the smell in a lab, you know, and sprayed it on the hamburgers and stuff. Like it, and it winds up. It's just it's so pre-processed and not really enjoyable and it winds up being uh a metaphor and the the film does this if if nothing else it really does establish the idea of fast food being a metaphor for american culture where it's just you know it's not about you know doing things on your own and learning things and the journey it's all about just getting it done you know and moving on you know and just getting yeah. stuff pre-processed whereas like you know in in uh, the you know scent of green papaya, as you were saying, like it sounds like that is representative, you know, of that culture as well. Yeah. So, well, you know, it, that uh, reminds me. I talked about the differences between European and Asian food culture. Mm-hmm. The American food culture um, is kind of uh, is kind of low culture. Yeah. You know, and there's some good things about that. Like I, uh, I love a good burger. You know, and and it's so a burger is not considered gourmet food you right. know but a lot of of love and care can go into the preparation of a burger and a great burger is uh, a great thing to enjoy but there is a, a tendency to think of like people who care about food much like remy and ratatouille right are equated in america with this sort of uh uh i don't know what the term, like art fags essentially <laughs> I, that's not a battleship pretension sanctioned term that's <laughs> just a term that people use right uh and uh i want to talk about uh somewhat related to this a movie called dinner rush did you ever okay. see it i didn't i always it's great to. you'd love it it's right up your alley uh but and it takes place in uh, a new york italian restaurant um and you know the the movie loves its food but at the same time time it's it's a it's a picture of a world of 
essentially criminals and intellectual elitists. Hmm. And uh, so that, that that's the picture of American food culture that you're getting in Dinner Rush. is is a little more cynical and dark, hmm. uh, and 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 not so. I'm not sure what the word is. I don't want to say common, but uh, populist maybe is is okay. the, the the a word that you could use to describe foreign uh, food films. You okay. know, and that's why the the best American food films generally have to do with immigrants. Uh, yeah, particularly Italian immigrants. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the great American films have to do with Italian immigrants. It's a fascinating story. Uh, and I'm talking. I mentioned Moonstruck. Which... Don't you remember the uh, famous boiled potato scene of Miller's Crossing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I love corned beef, but the Irish did not <laughs> are not bringing a lot to the table. No pun intended. Uh, but yeah, okay. Moonstruck is great. Have you seen Moonstruck? I still haven't seen That's it. That's another one. You'd love it. It's hilarious. Well, isn't um, it, isn't it only available like full screen or yeah, something? Yeah, the DVD is only full screen. You know what? They might have put out. I think they, there's a special. Edition I think they just did a 20th out. anniversary edition because okay. it came out in '87 originally. Oh so yeah, I think yeah. There might be a 20th anniversary edition. That's but for a long time you could only get it in full screen, which is why I never bought it. Uh, but also, you've got gangster movies. Yeah, Italian gangster movies, which we we did an episode on that with Mike, right? Uh, and we didn't really talk about. Food, which is a huge thing, you know. There, yeah. I mean, Goodfellas is not thought of as a foodie movie, right. but it totally is. There's yeah. so much in there about. Uh, I always one of the sequences that I associate with Goodfellas more than any is when he's talking about in prison and the guy slicing the onions so thin that they oh, dissolve yeah. in the sauce, hmm. and it's like taking that kind of time. And it's just the, it's the same again this metaphor the 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 analogy between the preparation of food and the making of a film like yeah. taking that much enjoyment in the process yeah. you know and 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 putting that much time into it uh is 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 gorgeous and, that, and that's what makes it makes it cinematic you know and it's and you were talking about how like a lot of you know movies about uh you know american cuisine like it often involves you know an immigrant of some kind but i will say this there are a couple of there are a couple of like you said, burger, okay, which is very American. But there are a couple of f- foods that have been kind of celebrated in some movies and TV shows that are uniquely American. I would say pie, which you'll find in Twin Peaks, yeah, and Waitress, and I'd say coffee as well. You know, it just there are certain things like I. Well, coffee is. I mean, coffee is very European, right? I think, right, but but it is. But like coffee in a diner, like here's the thing: I may be. I do tend to, I'll say this, I, I do tend to like very American, I'll be bringing this up again actually next week, I tend to like very American things, not because I'm a xenophobe or anything like that, it's just, you know, I, I like uh, just I like a good steak, I do like a, a good hamburger, even though I like bland things on them, Just and I like a good bacon and eggs, hash browns, toast, uh, breakfast, you know, and I love diners and Chicago had a lot of really nice diners. Well, here, and, uh, I'm going to, it did, but here's the thing I wanted okay. to, I planned to say this actually. I'm glad you let me okay. into this. S- speaking of burgers and diners, you know, there's a lot of debate, especially among native Los Angelinos right. about whether New York is better than Los Angeles. Okay. And in a lot of ways, New York has us beat. Yeah. But when it comes to burger and diner culture, Southern California is the place to be. Oh yeah. I've, n- I've had so many burgers here that are better than burgers I've had anywhere else in the country. Uh, yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah, there are a lot of good diners here. Actually, I had lunch at one the other day, and I'm just like, now this, 
This is pretty nice. Um, and we've we've even got. I mean, here in Southern California, we've got a fast, essentially a fast food chain that is serving some of the most delicious burgers that you'll ever have in an out burger. Oh yeah. And of course, there's Tommy's, which is for people who are into chili burgers. It's a, yeah. It's a smaller niche market. Uh, and and then we've also got here's here's a little tip from Battleship Pretensions resident pseudo foodie David Bax. Okay. If you're in Southern California, go to Pasadena. Go to Pie and Burger. It's oh. at uh, it's at what's it? It's at like uh, Lake in California, I think. Best burger I've ever had in my life. Oh man! And you know what? Here's the thing. And it's called Pie and Burger. Pie and Burgers. Ex- exactly. You know. I mean, it's just you know there is just there are some foods that are just very. I mean, American is apple pie. That's a, that's a phrase. Um, but I will I will go off on a slight tangent that does relate. You mentioned chili burgers. Yeah. Okay, and I'm late. You know, much like uh, ra- the term "raping my childhood," I'm le- you know, I'm I'm a little late on this. A few a few months late because everybody's been complaining about it, and I never knew because I never watched TV. But uh, Jen and I recently got cable, and now I've been watching commercials. And Carl's Jr. Holy shit! For those of you on the other side of the Mississippi, that's yes, Hardee's. Hardee's, yes. Or I guess the other side of like Oklahoma, because you know what? There's even a, I believe there's even a Hardee's in like. Colorado. So I mean oh, okay. maybe anywhere not California. <laughs> but uh hang on. You can talk. Okay, I know, but I just I I, I was there's suspense going on. Yeah, cats um, interfering with the uh with the with the recording technology. process. Um but uh but yeah, it's basically and I don't know, you know, maybe for Hardee's, maybe they have a different commercial, but it's all about just the chili burger and and there's just chili just dripping out of it oh. and it's just and this guy eats it and it's all over his face and it's disgusting looking yes. and it's that's supposed to be a selling point and you know if you want to talk about a metaphor the idea of like more is better like that's a fairly american uh, yeah. idea yeah and just and the idea that's just like if you get it all over your face that means it's good it's yeah. like what that could i don't think that's true at all and i'm a man with facial hair i don't <laughs> like stuff being all over my face but, well, uh, while we're talking about American uh, American food, uh, there's another subgenre. Okay. Okay. No one enjoys gorging themselves on American type foods more than stoners. <laughs> and so there are a lot of stoner movies that have uh, a lot to do with food. But I'm only going to talk about one. Mm. Talk about great comedies that should have been uh, recognized by the Academy. All right. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> it's a fucking awesome movie. And it is all about the pursuit of delicious, delicious American food. <laughs> Which is odd, because uh, what little I've had of White Castle, and I have not had much, I have not enjoyed. You know, I didn't like, like White Castle when I was little. Okay. I love it now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm trying to think what... A, I you David provided me with a, a list of the movies that he was going to talk about, and... and uh, I guess you know we can move on to we can move on to as far as like movies specifically about food and not movies about things. You know, that... well, before we move on, I want to. Okay. Um, you mentioned Sideways earlier in our other discussion. Yes, <laughs> uh, Sideways is a wine movie, not a food movie. Right. Uh, there's a difference to be made there. Um, uh, a different, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, that was a weird phrase. I yeah. Don't know. Anyway, um, but it's the same general milieu. You know, yeah. and it's 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 treated the same way. Yeah. So sideways deserves to be mentioned alongside. Well, and you know, there's another one where I mean, I don't drink. I will have an occasional glass of wine. I don't know anything about wine, but like, much like ratatouille, makes me want to go to France and eat, just start eating. <laughs> um, 
uh, sideways really makes me, it's like, wow, there's an entire world here that I am completely unaware of. Like, it makes me want to start drinking wine. You know, it makes me want to start appreciating wine and all that. And then I, then I drink uh, a glass of wine that I'm not, you know, accustomed to. I'm like, ah, never mind. Damn you <laughs> sideways. But it happens every time I watch the movie, you know. And I feel like that's that's a good example of, like, you know, a movie that gives you a passion that you don't normally have. Like, you know, that means it's doing its job well. Or, you know, maybe the actors are. Yeah. And it's well written. You know, it's just a good movie all around. It, it is a good movie. All right, but you wanted to move on to something. What did you want to move on to? Well, um, there's also, like, we've started, to, you know, we've started talking about the main course. And I feel like there have been a lot of movies made about dessert. You know, and I started okay. talking about pie. Yeah. Um, but like there's, you know, speaking of stuff where you just want to, you just want to eat the screen, uh, like Chocolat is on your list. Yeah. And, and, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, is another one. See, I, you know what? I, let's talk about, uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the right. Chocolate Factory. Uh, I would almost, I would almost lump those in with Super Size Me as movies I don't want to talk about because I don't think they're positive about food. Okay. I, um, I love the Roald Dahl book, and I and, and I actually really enjoy both versions of the film. Yeah, uh, but they don't make me want candy. They they they're they're kind of cynical. I mean, they 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 punish the kids who want candy. Oddly enough, I it makes me want candy until I get to the factory. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like when it just shows the guy because you know because Charlie is a character who can actually just enjoy the chocolate bar without like wanting something more on top of it. He can just enjoy the bar. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, all right, I bet but that is good. I still think I bet w- that gold does make the chocolate taste terrible. But the way that they set it up, like you're talking about in the early scenes, I'm thinking particularly of Charlie and the chocolate factory more so than Willy Wonka. Right. Um, the early scenes do show a lot of good looking, uh, candies, you know? Yeah. But it's almost the, the. It seems like the the parable there is about giving it a temptation. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, obviously the candy is looks great, but when you get into the the belly of the beast, you know, when when you give in to these temptations for candy, yeah, you end up, you know, like, you know, big and blue. Yeah. Well, and that's you know, and movies about candy and sweets. I mean, it often is also about temptation. Chocolate is another one. I mean. Yeah, that where the candy does look quite delicious, and it's all about like, no, you can't give into it. But that's a movie that actually says, "Go ahead," and yeah. it says that maybe sometimes it's okay. You yeah, know? and I think that's kind of the reason I like that movie. <laughs> I, I like that movie more thematically than I than I do anything else. It's right. it's, a, it's a pretty good movie, and Roger yeah, Pratt's yeah. cinematography is fantastic. Alfred Molina yeah. is great in it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did, not sure I, if I would nominate it for Best Picture, right? Which it was, Miramax. Or adapted screenplay, which it, oh. yeah, I used to. This is a little tangent. I used to try. I made a point when the nominations came out. I would read all five books or comic books or whatever. Oh wow! That that things were were based on. I did that when I was in high school and sort of into college. And Chocolat is a boring book. Hmm. It's a. It's actually a better movie than a book. Oh, all right. So you heard it here first. Um, what what else you got for desserts? For desserts, uh, well, there's the movie uh, Waitress, which is about pies again. Sure. Um, excuse me. And then there was, uh, oh, you know what? Shoot. There was another one. And for the life of me, I cannot remember it. But it was, oh, it wasn't It wasn't as overt as like Chocolat or Waitress or, you know, Willy Wonka and all that. Um, so 
it'll probably occur to me in like five weeks and then I'll <laughs> just get very angry at myself. Now I thought you were going to talk about moving on to movies instead of movies that are about food, movies with great food scenes. Well, we some can category talk about that on my list. Well. Um, and, and let's we'll, let's start well, with something completely unappetizing. Okay. Let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> By far the worst of the three, and probably the worst of the four, once the fourth one comes out. Still pretty good, for the record. I still kind of like it. I don't know. It, it, it has its moments. Yeah. But uh, it has a scene where they eat monkey brains. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. And there's a scene where uh, they... They rip something open and a lot of little snakes come out or something, or little eels or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's not appetizing either. But those well, monkey here's the, brains. Here's the thing. Let's talk about uh, again. Uh, this this episode is going to be more uh, of a window into our personal lives <laughs> than anything else. When I first saw, I think, yeah, in Temple of Doom, it's meant. I think the natural reaction among Americans is to be like, "Gross! Look at these what these primitive foreigners eat." Right. You know. But my naturally inquisitive young mind was like, "I wonder if that's good." <laughs> and I think that's why now when I go, you know, I I go to get tacos and i'm like yeah, i'll try the tongue you know yeah and i go to like a korean i went to this korean tofu place the other day and had octopus like octopus tofu soup hmm. amazing hmm. great uh if anyone lives in los angeles email me i'll tell you where to get some good uh beef and octopus tofu soup <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that and then uh another unappetizing but quintessential food scene in a movie is in the gold rush yeah yeah uh see and there's you know, oddly enough, like, first time I saw The Gold Rush, I wasn't, like, incredibly young. I was, it's not like when I was, like, six and saw Temple of Doom. But, like, I remember watching Gold Rush, and I'm like, not that I wanted to eat a shoe, but I'm like, can you eat a shoe? Yeah. Like, it, like I just became so fascinated. I'm like, I, I, I want to try and eat a shoe someday just to see if it's possible. Like, that's my weird, like, because... I would think, like, if Actual food, I'm like, ugh, no thank you. If you're stranded on a mountain or in a desert or whatever, you could probably get some nourishment from, like, a leather yeah. boot, yeah. I would think. Huh. I don't know. Anyway, so... Listeners? <laughs> exactly. That's your assignment. Um, eat a shoe and tell us what it's like. <laughs> we'll send you a t-shirt. Um, as long as we're keeping... Uh, you know what? I want to mention another uh, horribly unappetizing uh, food scene in a movie... All right. Uh, and this goes way back beyond the movie to Shakespeare. Uh, Titus. Okay, see, now we're moving into another subject about movies that that I want to talk about. So, yes, Titus. Okay, so spoilers for those who d- haven't read or seen uh, any production of Titus Andronicus. They've had several hundred years, David. Yeah. <laughs> but um, at, at the end, Titus um, kills the two sons of his enemy and bakes them into pies and serves them. Um. <laughs> And in Julie Taymor's... It's a fun sentence to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just... In Julie Taymor's incredibly Baroque, overstylized, and, in my opinion, gorgeous and impulsively watchable film. Yeah. This is shown in great detail. It sure <laughs> it, is. It's, it's really quite disgusting. Uh, but it's shot... It, it's, it's presented to you, the viewer, like any other food movie. It's sort of these it's not it's not shown as something that's that's gross like uh i'm trying to think of a food movie that shows food as gross and fast food nation probably you know yeah it really it frames the pies and the making of the pies in a sort of loving way yeah uh and that's what makes it even grosser yeah because 
you're like, wow, those pies look good. Oh, no, that's Jonathan Reese Myers. <laughs> um, I imagine that pie will be very bland. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Tyler. Like that, Jonathan Reese Myers. Um, but, uh, yeah, and oddly enough, there are there's a lot of movies about cannibalism. Um, yeah, good. I'm glad we're going to get into this. Yeah, I want. I, I wasn't going to let us finish this episode without talking about cannibalism, Dave. And we probably should finish on it. We're going a little long. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's... Okay. So, and speaking of meat pies, I mean, just this past year, Sweeney Todd came out. Yeah. Um, and that one... Did you see it? No. Okay. I've, I've seen the, the stage production. Okay. Pretty graphic. Uh, okay. You know, like a character takes a bite of one of Mrs. Lovett's pies and, and there's a toe. And, uh, ugh, yuck. Wow. But, uh, you know, and stuff. And then, of course, there's the meat grinder with, like, limbs uh-huh. uh, out the top and just, oh, delicious meat coming out the... Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, and there's, like, right there, cannibalism, especially when it when somebody is actually killing somebody and serving that person to somebody else um like that is often a nice little metaphor as well um like in the case of you know sweeney todd the idea of just like you know it's poverty and you know uh soylent green actually now that i think of it um the idea of just society being so horrible that people literally need to just start eating other people in order to survive and need to start serving other people in order to survive and uh yeah i don't know it's just um, okay. And there's delicatessen. Del- uh, yeah, right, right. Um, but, okay, so yeah, so that's that's the metaphor there. Now let's move into Alive. Yes. Which is a movie about cannibalism that's and, you know, I've, oddly nev- I've never seen it. It's not, uh, and it's not an essential film. Okay, then. It's got one essential sequence, the plane crash, which yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's a, uh, a sympathetic film about, about cannibalism. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but but it it doesn't you know doesn't show any enjoyment in the in the eating of food. See, I feel like they, of, if, of it might have been a better movie yeah. if they had had one. If there was one character who's like who you just see a, just a just a shot just of their face being like, huh, hmm, yeah, who would have thought this is actually better than I thought it would be? And then if we're gonna talk about cannibalism, there's a film that I've never actually seen all of I, i've seen a bit of it but it has to be mentioned it's a brazilian film called how tasty was my little frenchman oh wow uh which is about a guy who gets eaten by cannibals uh, what nationality is he david i believe, I believe he's french okay then and i believe he gets eaten willingly uh, i think that's, oh the, my that's gosh. the twist in the movie but i again i haven't seen the whole thing so i yeah. wouldn't know uh but here's the movie that wasn't on my list until you mentioned it to me yesterday and i was like how could i have forgotten about it? the greatest cannibalism movie ever and one of my all-time favorite films yeah uh and antonia bird's ravenous right and that one is yeah speaking of delightful uh depictions of cannibalism there's one where just and that one winds up being about other things i mean sure because a lot of people involved with that movie are vegetarians, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they would. They are probably vegetarians for health reasons, perhaps, but I'd say moral reasons as well. I mean, yeah. when you see that, like the like, even just a even a steak, not even a steak made out of people, but like just a a regular old steak, even that looks horrible at the beginning. When at the beginning with John Spencer and like the steak is like bleeding as they're cutting into <laughs> Literally, it. Literally, yeah, it just looks. Honestly, delicious to me. <laughs> I'm a rare steak man. I, I'm a I'm a medium to medium well. So okay. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, ravenous is great. <laughs> yeah, and it's, well, and it's just it's. 
I mean, it's it's all about like, you know, the idea of these characters just gaining power from eating meat. You know, granted, it's the meat of their fellow man, but like yeah. just, you know, and so and I remember uh, what was it? Oh, I I was watching. Was it? Oh, it was an episode of bullshit about PETA, and they're talking to. Uh, Ted Nugent, of all people, talking about, and there's, and, you know, there's a man who just, just to see him interviewed, he just really looks like he gets a sense of power from killing things and eating yeah. them. <laughs> and, uh, so, like, it, I don't know, it's, it's as if the movie kind of is talking about just how barbaric we are for killing these other things when we probably don't have to. Yeah, but it also has to do, I think, because the movie is essentially, it's a sort of Western, and yeah. it has to do with uh, the, the the themes of Westward expansion and Manifest right, Destiny, right. and Americans preying on yeah. indigenous peoples Absolutely. and gaining our power yeah. from that. And, and, of course, and it, you know, they use the uh, sort of Native American folklore of the Wendigo, right. which is a, uh, a mythical monster, much like the Mothman or, or yeah. Bigfoot. Or or the Mothman, you can I like f- the Mothman. Well, and you can find uh, you can find the Wendigo in uh, uh, an issue of the Incredible Hulk, uh, which is, is the first appearance of Wolverine. So uh, Hulk and Wolverine fight Wendigo. Oh, cool! Yeah, just throwing that out there. Um, so it's an actual creature, much like Bigfoot, in that. But, yeah, um, and, and that's sort of what it is in in American or in Native American folklore as well. Yeah. But they essentially in this movie, Robert Carlyle is the Wendigo. Exactly. Uh, uh, I don't know what what else you got. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So we've talked about. Cannibalism. I was trying to wrap. The, I, was, I wanted to wrap up on cannibalism, and I totally dropped the fucking ball. The cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Okay, let's spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's a big spoiler. A, yeah, just saying that just is a spoiler. Um. So yeah. Okay, this is, again, much like Ravenous. I don't know what this says about me as a person, but one of my favorite movies of all time. It is, is an amazing film. The Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, uh, wherein um, <laughs> Tyler's dream world archenemy, Michael Gambon. That needs some explanation. We, we never told that story. You know what? I'll tell it for our one-year episode. I'll tell okay. that story. So uh, Stay tuned. Tyler's dream world archenemy, Michael Gambon, uh, plays the titular thief, uh, and he loves food and he loves to talk about it. he loves food yeah. but he treats his wife and yeah. his people and everyone around him the same way he treats his food as something to be consumed and enjoyed yeah. uh selfishly right um and uh here you en- enter the titular cook yeah uh i'm gonna break the record for use of the word titular in this episode <laughs> uh <laughs> it's a funny word the titular cook uh falls in love with the titular wife no wait <laughs> The cook doesn't. No, no, I'm sorry. Shit. Her lover does. Her lover does. All right. The titular lover. Thank you. Yes. And then the cook... Well, essentially, the, the, the titular thief... This is just turning into a bit where I just say titular a lot. <laughs> um, he has the lover killed, and then he has the cook. Sorry, this is where the, the cook comes in. She has the cook. She has the cook. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of people to juggle here. The the film is as uh, yeah is, is hard to get uh, to talk about as the title is to remember. Uh, <laughs> yes, she has the cook cook the dead lover. Yes, and serve it to the thief. Yeah, 
That's the that's essentially the story of the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Yeah, which I I really do love that film, despite the fact that I appear to not know the story. <laughs> yeah. But that's more confusion than than anything. Maybe I was wrong in saying there were spoilers in this, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's and that is weird to see because like you see the you know the the lover you see him like literally cooked and he's on this he's on like a platter he's like and glazed he's, he's glazed and, and he's if, naked if he, which if is he weird. were a pig it would look delicious but exactly. it's a human and it's but as really he is a disgusting person and there's his glazed penis like yeah. yeah i'm i'm not into that um and then of course um and they force the the thief to uh to take a bite of him yeah right before well spoilers <laughs> um i i, I don't want to i don't want to go that far i mean why on earth would i spoil the last 10 seconds yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah it's food in movies like it's really been a it's really an interesting topic because it does some of my favorite scenes involve characters eating and even if the food itself is not called attention to because it's just such a it's something everybody has to do everybody yeah. and so like when people are eating and talking it just seems so natural and it just it really puts it in reality but it's also a somewhat vulnerable thing to do because a person can't really help how they eat or how they chew or something like that and so i don't know and, and that's uh, to to bring it full circle that's another reason why uh food and eating is so filmic yeah uh, when again, that's counterintuitive. You wouldn't think it would be, right. but because it speaks to something uh, personal and universal, right? Uh, it's inherently cinematic, and uh, that's what makes good films. Those those types of uh, of topics, right? So, all right. Uh, anybody who, uh, if you want to email us any comments about uh, the Oscars or Dr. Seuss. Or food, you know, not even like food in movies, but food, like just say, I like asparagus or something. Um, just email us. Don't literally. No, do we that. didn't talk about veggie tales. <laughs> uh, especially that one where they eat each other. Um, but uh, yeah. Why, why wouldn't they? <laughs> I know. Huh. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Jonah, the veggie exactly. tail, is trapped in, in, in a whale. You know, he's not going to get hungry? <laughs> Take a bite out of his, just, his thigh? Just eats himself. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, you can just email us at uh, battleshippretension at hotmail.com. You can discuss this on the uh, MySpace or Facebook uh, forum. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing your comments. And don't forget about Leprechaun 2008. That's right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.